do we see at Groundswell this year, the 26th and 27th of June, close to London, UK? Many friends of the podcast will be there. John Kempf, Abby Rose, Benedict Bozo, Henry Dimbleby, Claire Hill, Russ Carrington, Andy Cato, Tim Coates, and many, many more. See you there. You're going to listen to an interview with Renske Linde, founder and managing director of FS6, to work on the transition to Food System 6. We're going to talk about the whole food system, not just the agriculture part, the production part, the soil health that we've covered so many times, but actually the whole system that's on top of that and the giant disruptions that are happening in this space from workers' health, distribution, traceability, but also the need of blended capital to come and support these early disruptors and make sure they reach the impact they need. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Investing in Regenerative Agriculture, Investing as if the Planet Mattered, a podcast show where I talk to the pioneers in the regenerative food and agriculture space to learn more on how to put our money to work to regenerate soil, people, local communities and ecosystems while making an appropriate and fair return. Why my focus on soil and regeneration? Because so many of the pressing issues we face today have their roots in how we treat our land, grow our food and what we eat. And it's time that we as investors, big and small and consumers, start paying much more attention to the dirt slash soil underneath our feet. Before we get started, I've been recording these interviews next to my day job and I will definitely continue to do so and release about an episode a month. But at the same time, I would love to take this further, share more interviews. There are many more stories to share on investing in regenerative food and agriculture. More depth, improve the quality, maybe even doing some video series. So I started a Patreon community, which makes it easy to support creators like myself. If these podcasts have been of value to you, and if you have the means, I invite you to support me and make this happen. For more information, please find the link to my Patreon account in the description below. And now, without further ado, the interview. Enjoy! So welcome to Investing in Regenerative Agriculture, Investing as if the Planet Mattered. I'm Koen van Seyen, your host. And in the podcast today, we have Renske Linde, Impact Investor, Co-Founder and Managing Director of Food System 6, enabling the best entrepreneurs to revolutionize the way we produce and distribute food globally. And of course, we're going to ask the obvious question if it has to do a lot with insects, but probably doesn't. Uh, welcome, Renske. Thank you, Val. Thank you. It's so nice to hear my name pronounced correctly. I'm trying. I'm trying. So just to get, before we dive into the personal questions, your impact investing, etc. Food System 6, it has a bit to do with insects as they are part of the future food system, but it, it's not a, a project focused only on insects, right? That's right. Exactly. Yes, we do have a team, Tiny Farms, that we worked with in our last cohort and that's in our portfolio uh, that is working to develop the technology to scale insect protein production, primarily focused on becoming cost competitive with animal feed as a, as a substitute for animal feed. So not necessarily going to market uh, as a new sexy cricket item, but supplying some of that just to help them continue to scale. And can you tell us a bit more about Food System 6 in general, because it's much more than, than just helping insect companies. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, and, and I'll start by saying that we tend to call our organization FS6, so the accelerator and nonprofit think tank that I founded, we call FS6. And then we talk about Food System 6 in the more general terms, in terms of what we are trying to support the creation of and the acceleration towards a, a food system. So 
talk about the fact that humanity has transitioned through five different food systems and different iterations and has actually actively designed those systems um, to meet specific objectives. And so in, you know, I'll, I'll fast forward a little bit to talk about food system five, which is the industrialized food system that we are currently experiencing. Uh, you know, we're certainly at uh, the tipping point in terms of a transition to a- another food system. And there's a lot that we can say about why that's happening and much of which, you know, you have focused on in your podcast in terms of a focus on more sustainable production methods and regenerative methods. But it is also one that we believe will be designed for a more integrated sense of health across uh, the environment and physical health and then social health. So that's that's the system that we see being actively redesigned um, at the moment. There's a lot of signs pointing to that we are at that at a transition point, which is exciting for me. So that's how we describe the vision that we hold for the food system itself as Food System 6. And then FS6 is the organization that we founded to help support entrepreneurs that are driving towards that kind of change and that impact in the system. Great to hear that really transitioning from one food system to the next. We've only done a few times in the history and it's very exciting to to be part of the next one. Great. And if you look at your your personal story, how you've been working in food and agriculture and policy and for for quite some time, what led you into that? And was there one moment or was it a journey where where you got so excited about food that you want to spend your your professional career in that? That that's a great question, and and of course, uh, there's a, a, a an intimate and deep connection between the personal and the professional. So I have been. Uh, very interested in the relationship between uh, food, food production, food distribution. Um, since I was uh, a child, I grew up uh, the daughter of immigrant parents who relied on many different forms of uh, food assistance to to make ends meet and so have a very deep and personal connection to equity within the food system and then went on to build a career in the social sector at a variety of different points, really my you know focus was around how we could transform the food system and create impact for as many people as possible. So uh, that path definitely led me down policy, the policy route, and spent a number of years working on international trade policy on behalf of small-scale sustainable farmers around the world. Uh, I have also built direct markets for farmers at the very early days of the recognition here in the States that we needed to think about supporting our local and regional food sheds. Uh, And then I've worked on food access more broadly, where I worked on food stamps and school meals. And so uh, it has been a very rich and incredibly rewarding career in the nonprofit sector. And I've, you know, I think that there's an absolutely critical role that nonprofit organizations play in terms of raising awareness Um, And in this case, uh, about the need to think differently about how we grow, produce, and distribute food. And I think that uh, it it has always uh, been a question for me in terms of how the raising of awareness and education um, can actually meet up with solutions at scale. So that's something that I have spent a lot of time thinking about over the course of the last 20 years of my career. And it's certainly what basically got me to the point at which I was understanding that there was an opportunity to support innovators and entrepreneurs um, who were coming to the marketplace with innovative solutions that really could scale um, and be very transformative around the issues that I have worked towards you know, for for so long. So um, it was it was definitely a journey, and there were certainly 
moments in that journey where the power of innovation and entrepreneurship was made apparent to me. Um, so one example is I worked at the food bank in San Francisco and we were trying to improve the quality of school meals that our pantry clients were receiving. And we ultimately granted a contract to a company based here in Oakland, California called Revolution Foods. Um, so I'm not sure if that's come across um, your your uh, desk. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, again, for me, it was, it was a big uh, eye-opener in terms of the potential that entrepreneurs can play um, in, you know, really tackling some of the, the most thorny issues related to the food system that I've, I've been working on for so long. So that led me to doing a fellowship at Berkeley for the Food Institute, where I was examining the opportunity for the social sector to influence and inform um, what was then the very early days of private sector capital coming into the space. Um, and that was also my introduction to the emergence of the impact investing industry. So those three threads uh, came together, and through the course of the work I did for that fellowship, I met a very unique venture capitalist, uh, and he has gone on to become the co-founder of, of FS6. And from that story, it seems that the, the scale you were looking for really drove you uh, eventually to, to the entrepreneur side and innovator side. Was that what you were looking for, maybe sometimes missing in the policy side? Definitely, definitely, yes, and and you know we can talk a little bit more about that in terms of just the the how FS six got off the ground because it actually really was a very cross sector and collaborative um, approach to answering some of these questions in the food system that created FS six and it continues to inform how we engage with a number of different stakeholders all throughout the value chain and also in many different sectors. So I can share a little bit more about that. But yes, I mean, absolutely. The the potential that entrepreneurs have to, you know, really not only um, incredibly, you know, just really disrupt and create entirely new business models, um, but being able to scale their impact and their mission and their focus as they do. And they're kind of just the, the passion and the persistence and all of that is, and the private sector sensibility is is certainly something that I felt I was missing um, in the nonprofit sector. But again, also, you know, we are, as an organization, we are a nonprofit and we think it's really important that we are because we are, we do maintain a focus on impact and we do have a, a bigger picture mission um, beyond the work that we do to support the entrepreneurs. We also think there's so much that can be learned from the teams that are really in the trenches trying to solve for some of these issues that we can then, you know, leverage that to help inform and influence other stakeholders in the system. So, Yes, it, it, it definitely, uh, it's also, it's a lot of fun to work with entrepreneurs. Um, they're, you know, incredibly, again, passionate and, you know, really focused on, you know, solving for some incredibly complex issues. And, you know, so we've built a program that we believe can help support them um, in the, the many ways in which entrepreneurs need help. Um, it's, it's not easy to build something from nothing. I, I definitely don't need to tell you that or any of your listeners that, but it's especially more complicated, especially more complex uh, in the food system, given how interrelated uh, all the different parts of the value chain are, 
um, and also the dynamic interplay between sectors within the food system. Um, and not to mention the fact that it is a living system. And so that adds an additional layer of complexity. Um, and so all of that really informs the way in which we support our teams as far as capital is concerned, the right form of capital, the right time. Um, as well as just making sure that we are connecting them with those people who are in a position um, to help support their growth from any number of, of dimensions and angles. Do you want to learn how to invest or are you an entrepreneur and want to build companies in the regenerative food and agriculture space? Or do you work in big ag and big food and want to really move the needle? We have developed a new video course for you. Find out more on investinginregenerativeagriculture.com slash course or in the show notes description below. And, and if you look at your first cohort, which uh, has finished a while ago, and you're actually going to recruit the new one and select the new ones, uh, which will start in August, can you name one example of uh, the first cohort that really, like you mentioned before, disrupted or is going to disrupt or hopefully disrupt uh, <laughs> and, and really surprised you as, as a partner in Food System 6? What, what was t taking you by surprise during this, um, this program? Uh, okay, so I heard a couple questions in there, and you know I think that uh, as we like to say, you know it's it's uh, it's like asking a parent who their favorite child is, and of course that's an impossible task. <laughs> so they're they're all equal, I know. <laughs> exactly, but you know the, we we did we were very intentional in terms of the teams that we chose, not only because they represented different aspects of the value chain different dimensions of impact um, that we saw some really strong interrelationships between, but also because they were approaching the, the set of problems within the food system in very unique and different ways. And that was really important to us because we don't believe that food system six will be defined by one particular path. And so you opened this um, conversation by saying, you know, we're more than insects. And, and that's absolutely true. We see a critical role for the development of an alternative to livestock feed. There's no question um, that that is a, an absolutely critical issue. It is as important to develop tools and technologies that can help support a transition from current production practices to ones that are more regenerative in nature. And so, you know, when we look at a team like Pasture Map, which is developing a grazing software management platform for ranchers, like it is, it looks so different than, you know, than the insect development. And it looks similarly different from a heritage poultry company and, you know, what it means to build production in a whole new category of poultry. Um, you know, not sure if you know the statistics around at least domestic poultry production, but, you know, over 95% are the same genetic breed. And there's a lot of health implications to that lack of genetic diversity. And risks. Absolutely. And a lot of, you know, production issues related to that type of concentration in, in production in, in across many different forms of animal production, not just poultry. So, you know, I think in terms of the power and the potential, I think, you know, we believe that each of the teams is, is uniquely and individually quite um, poised to affect um, their particular segment and their particular domain. I think in terms of what surprised us, um, you know, I don't know that I would say there were surprises as much as just really deep and important learnings in terms of, I think, the capital landscape is, you know, and this is a, certainly a subject of this call, but in terms of how 
capital can and different forms of capital and and I'll be explicit that in this case I'm talking about financial capital can best be leveraged in order to support the kind of impact that we're seeking in the food system. So, you know, and there's there's um, a lot of different examples that are emerging uh, in terms of what this kind of blended term sheet might look like. Um, but I think, you know, there's been some conversation around the need for more patient capital in the food system and lots of good reasons why, you know, we believe that that's entirely aligned with our approach as well. But even more than that, we're very interested in the dialogue and, and in, you know, seeding conversations around the role that philanthropic capital can play in, you know, helping prove out some of these really innovative market-based solutions that are going to have a very significant social or environmental or human health impact. And so that's, you know, that, I, again, it's not as much of a surprise as much as it is just, you know, wanting to really... Um, dig in and expose where the opportunities are and, of course, where some of the challenges are and thinking about this kind of capital stack. And there's, you know, a few different words that are being used in this in this landscape. So, again, not, not a surprise as much as just something that, you know, we know is a very live and very important area um, for impact-focused entrepreneurs um, in food to be thinking about. And so we're, we're doing, doing our best to kind of support the, the conversations and the dialogue and, and then, obviously, ultimately the action around that. So I, I'd say that that's, uh, that's definitely something where, you know, I don't know, I don't think it's keeping us up at night um, as much as it is, you know, just something that we, we want to, we want to be able to, to support the, the evolution of that dialogue. And if, and if you look at your first cohort and the second one you're planning now, um, what, what's going to be different in terms of or what's going to be different in general? Hmm, well, um, certainly on our side, we are... You know, we do our, obviously we do incredibly intense work one-on-one uh, -on -one with our teams when we're in our four-month program, but um, the work doesn't stop there. And so we're continuing to support the teams that we supported in our last cohort. And so, you know, as we, you know, as issues crop up, which they do um, when you're building something, uh, you know, just making sure that we're really available and accessible to those teams um, we'll sort of add that on to being in cohort with the next set of teams that we work with. You know, there are a few parts of our program um, that we, you know, will certainly iterate on based on feedback from the teams. Um, we have a heavy emphasis on story, and we will continue to um, to elevate that in terms of its importance. Um, and again, just based on our impact objectives as an organization, sharing the stories of what these teams are experiencing as they're growing and building um, is just so critical for advancing the field in general. So we will definitely continue that focus. In terms of the teams that we work with, uh, we're excited to continue to expand on the diversity of entrepreneurs, um, different regions. Uh, we supported a team based in Hawaii and one based in Washington, D.C. last time, but we're excited about expanding the, um, the regional scope of our work. Um, there's a lot of really interesting place-based activity happening and ecosystems developing on the ground. I'm most familiar with the ones here domestically, but know that this is happening in China and, you know, many other parts of the world. So, you know, thinking about the best way that FS6 as an organization and a platform is poised to help support some of that place-based activity, um, will be really exciting for us. We are you know, very interested in supporting the teams that are actively addressing what we call maybe some of the more overlooked parts of the food system where we see some really, um, really critical opportunity for transformative impact. And so some of that has to do with um, indigenous and native land food production. 
um, as well as continuing to support uh, efforts that are thinking about labor all throughout the value chain, um, both on the farm and all throughout food service and retail. Which is very often overlooked. Exactly. And, you know, uh, I think you know, as I tr trace back to the beginning of this conversation and my my background and the work that I've done, you know, part of what I like to say to, you know, more traditional investors is, look, you know, the, the issues that the nonprofit sector are working on, I mean, we not only have sort of a moral and an ethical obligation to support that work because it is so critical, but also in the food system, the issues and topics that the social sector is working on will, you know, inevitably, from my perspective, become business model opportunities of the not too distant future. And I think, you know, you can look back at how the good food movement, broadly speaking, you know, was instigated. And much of that came from the social sector, you know, raising awareness and doing the things that, you know, the organizations I worked with and many, many others like them uh, were doing. And so, you know, I think there's a, there's sort of a, there's certain, uh, certainly a, a profit and purpose uh, dual motive in terms of our interest in supporting nonprofit organizations as well. And, and when you look at the, the, the workers' health, let's, let's call it a bit broadly, what kind of models do you see there in terms of disruption, in terms of, uh, I can imagine a lot of uh, traceability and, and proven that you're paying well and, and fairly, etc. But in terms of opportunities, what, what do you see? What comes across your desk? Yeah, that's a good. That's a really good question, and and definitely, you know, with the with the advent and the emerging ability to track and trace and certification systems, I think there's there's certainly some good precedent that can be built upon. But I also see some significant opportunities for disruption of some of those models um, that have you know done a great job again in terms of raising awareness, but. The implementation and you know the the transparency of the of the programs is, isn't always what you know certainly what consumers are looking for necessarily. I think there are going to be a lot of opportunities on information exchange. So I think that is that is an area where I'm seeing you know I've seen three or four different platforms using and leveraging you know information and information systems to aggregate um, experiences on the farm. Um, that, you know, are going to end up being incredibly useful um, from just a data perspective. And then, you know, again, the extent to which those are were ca are capable of connecting into tracking and tracing and um, those other systems that are being, you know, created to identify attributes as they move through the system. Um, I think there's some extraordinary opportunity there. So we're, we're definitely excited uh, about supporting a team uh, in that space. For sure. Very, very interesting. And, and in terms of, um, let's, ha let's have a look at investments uh, of your personal investments. Do you remember your, your first uh, sustainable food system or regenerative agriculture investment? And, and if so, which one was it? Sure. Yeah, I do. Um, at least uh, to be clear from, the, from a financial investment perspective. Um, because I think that, you know, there's many different ways in which you can think about investing time, resources, knowledge, and, you know, capital across many dimensions. But yes. Yeah, no, definitely financial. I was an early stage investor in Imperfect Produce, uh, which is a Bay Area based company that has developed a distribution system for what they call ugly produce or imperfect produce. So food that would otherwise go to waste because it isn't up to an aesthetic code. 
Um, and they've built and developed a distribution system for that food, and they're doing extremely well. Uh, it's, an, it's an amazing team uh, and a team that you know is very near and dear to my own heart because they got their start in the nonprofit sector building a national network of food recovery organizations on college campuses and identified a business model opportunity uh, to, to brand Imperfect Produce. And they've done an incredible job and they continue to grow. Um, and it's been very exciting to be at least a, a small part of, of their, their growth and their trajectory. Oh, fascinating. And if you look at the FS6, the upcoming cohort, what are you looking for? If people are listening, they're wondering, but, but does my company or does a company I know fit into this cohort? What, uh, what are the characteristics, criteria? Etc. To be to be starting in August. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, and I will say it can be. It's not a simple answer, which I'm sure you won't be surprised to hear, because when you're talking about something as complex as the food system, uh, there are a lot of different ways in which you could you could consider, you know, how how you may want to affect change. So the first thing I would say is, you know, if you if there are entrepreneurs that are listening to this that are thinking about. Um, you know, having an impact and wanting to create an impact on, you know, some of the critical issues related to sustainability and food production um, through a variety of means or have a business product or service that is, you know, thinking about what the health outcomes are as related to the food system. Reach out. It's, you know, we we are certainly um, excited about hearing ideas and concepts and research. Um, those are, you know, those are all really important for us to you know, continue to do our jobs well in terms of informing the broader ecosystem about what's going on out there. I We are best suited to lend support through our program to teams who are um, past the kind of idea or concept stage and who have some product market fit, some traction in the marketplace and tend to be, pro and again, there are certainly notable exceptions here, but um, tend to be pre-institutional capital. That is where I think we are best suited to lend support. And of course, because we support nonprofit organizations, if that's the designation, we're, we're excited to hear about about your work. Uh, you know, again, there, there are certainly exceptions there because we're, for example, talking to a team that has, you know, raised significantly more capital, but is very interested in expanding their impact focus and in really thinking through some of the issues related to their supply chain. So, you know, there are certainly exceptions in terms of, um, you know, the stage of a company. So, you know, it's never, it's never too early to introduce yourself. We'd love to hear, you know, what you're working on. Um, but generally speaking, it's, it's within that very early stage. And if you look at, uh, let's say the last year and you've been working with these teams of the first cohort, you've been working with a lot of investors on, on the other side, and you already touched upon it a bit earlier, but I would like to go a bit deeper into that on, on blended capital. What could the role be or, or stacked capital? What's the role of the different layers and what do you see, um, in, in these disruptors that they need and what maybe the market isn't offering yet, but that you're you're hopefully figuring out in the next uh, in the next few cohorts how to 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 use different type of capitals and why is it so important to financial capital in this case so important to to use different ones to actually get these disruptors to scale and the impact that they they should have. Yeah, um, that that's a really good question, and it's it's certainly something that we're spending a lot of time, like I mentioned, developing some content around, and we'll be doing you know both a webinar as well as some white papers on the topic based on 
again, some of the case studies that we're seeing in the space, um, as well as some of our teams that are, you know, working through these issues. So um, it's a very active and new um, kind of area. And so, you know, from, from my perspective, I think, you know, the opportunity that these teams represent from an impact standpoint um, and the requirement of more patient capital to help them get to scale, prove their concept. I mean, you know, given the fact that there is the complexity of the living production system sitting underneath their tool or technology or business model or program, the, the need for just longer lead times to be able to actually prove things out. I think there's a really critical role for philanthropic capital to play in that space because what that's also doing is, um, you know, creating the opportunity for us to generate learnings, which are, you know, going to absolutely help advance the field and other types of businesses that are coming into the space. So I think there is not only an opportunity for that form of capital to help, um, help teams get to a point at which they're able to bring on other types of investors, um, but also it is, you know, it's a very, a very powerful way to, you know, build the field and to continue to build the capacity of other types of stakeholders and, you know, entrepreneurs that are coming into the space. So, you know, again, there, there are a few emergent opportunity, you know, or case studies rather in terms of how this is playing out. Um, you know, I think this is a, it's a really dynamic space and place for family offices and foundations um, that are interested in making direct investments into teams because there's, there's a lot to learn through that process, you know, of, of being a mission-oriented, impact-focused um, investor at the table with other types of investors and, you know, how, how does that work and how can it work? Um, these are all, you know, very, very important questions in terms of, you know, thinking about the future of these kinds of businesses. You know, we have certain types of entities and corporations and legal and, you know, legal structures that are cropping up to help you know, further define this space and further, you know, create opportunities to, to think about how we blend profit and purpose. But, you know, when it comes to thinking, you know, differently about what the term sheet looks like and, you know, who's at the table, I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity to explore in that. So I, I definitely know that that's something that we're going to remain, you know, very actively engaged in. Um, and, you know, think we have the, the ability to bring, um, you know, a lot of the philanthropic community that has been focused on, you know, some very critical food system issues um, to the table to, you know, really help influence and inform how these teams grow too. I mean, I think that's the other significant opportunity that we have when we think about the resources and the knowledge that come with um, philanthropic capital that's been so active in the space. I think, um, you know, it's, it's a whole different way of thinking about affecting change you know, a lot of the philanthropic community's focus has been on on field building and, you know, on awareness raising and on, you know, changing, um, you know, what might be construed as bad corporate habits. And that all absolutely needs to continue. But I would add to that that, you know, there's an opportunity to also help influence what the what the next generation of food companies is going and agriculture companies is going to look like. Um, and, you know, sort of being able to to pivot and, you know, adjust, um, how we think about this as, um, you know, again, I think it's a, it's a really live opportunity and can really help, um, you know, carve out this, this future food system, um, in, I think a very unique and interesting way. 
And, and do you have an example of maybe your first cohort or, or anything else in, in your network where this, these different types of capital have come together and, and supported a, a very disruptive team? Yeah, um, there, again, th- uh, this is new, um, So, but there are some examples um, in the space. So Revolution Foods, which is a company that I actually referenced um, as being sort of, you know, part of my own journey, got its start through a variety of different forms of funding, including um, uh, some funding from the Kellogg Foundation and RSF Social Finance, as well as some city funding um, from the city of Oakland. So, you know, there's definitely a, a kind of blended approach there at the early early stages of their company. Most recently, there's a company called Appeal, which has, uh, it's a food waste um, and food preservation company, um, primarily coming to market through developing countries um, that got its start uh, from grant funding from the Gates Foundation and most recently received um, a round of venture capital financing from DBL investors. There is a soil health company called Midwestern Bioag that recently received an investment from the McKnight Foundation. So we're, we're definitely starting, you know, and there are a few others in the space. And as I mentioned, we're actively supporting some of our teams right now in this in this landscape. And so, you know, it's... Um, Again, it's 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 emergent um, to to some degree, but again, very I think exciting opportunity to really think differently, uh, you know, about how we how we scale entrepreneurs. And I would like to end this this podcast with two questions. Actually, um, let's say I mean, hopefully they're all smart in in the audience, but there are a number of smart impact investors in the audience, and also a number of smart uh, foundations and uh, nonprofits that have been active in maybe the more field building and awareness uh, before. What would you say to, and the answer can be different for the two groups, that want to become active in the, the new food system space, the food system six in the transition? What would you tell these two different groups that for you would be the best way to get active in this space? Um, so okay, can you re- remind me again of the two different? Yeah, sure. Smart, smart impact investors and the, the, the nonprofit side, the foundations that have been uh, maybe more on the field building side, maybe more on the awareness side, but are interested obviously in these very disruptive teams, but they don't really know where to start. Great. Um, so as far as the impact investors are concerned, I mean, I think that there, there definitely needs to be a level of, of understanding about just how complex the system is. And I think that looking to some of the, you know, well-established NGOs in the space, sort of, you know, depending on what your area of interest is in terms of the supply chain. Um, so, for example, I think we can't think about the future of food production without looking at the work that the Land Institute has done on perennial grain production. Um, you know, I think we can't think about, you know, other, uh, like, for example, seafood and, you know, where the opportunities are to invest in regenerative ocean economies, you know, without looking at the likes of, you know, some of the work that the Moore Foundation has supported. And so I think it is, it's really important for there to be just a, a good context um, setting and, you know, an understanding of where we are in this moment of time. And I would certainly um, you know, I point to some of those organizations. There are many others like them, Stone Barns, the Center for Land-Based Living here in Davis. Like there are some really important leaders, thought leaders and researchers and a knowledge base that I think really needs to be accessed while identifying investment, while looking at or examining investment opportunities in the space. So I think those two have to go hand in hand. And then on the other side, I think 
you know, from the foundation perspective, I think it's, it's about, you know, thinking that there is, that the opportunity exists to create an impact in a new and different way that, you know, is really, really influential and really impactful to help shape the journeys of these innovators and these, and these disruptors. And I think there's a little bit of a mindset shift um, that needs to happen in order to support that, which is to say, you know, it isn't, if you choose to make an investment in a company, you know, yes, you are choosing to invest in the success of that company, but the importance of scaling impact along with that company and the role that a foundation and all of that knowledge capital can play in helping do that in the right way, um, I think is just, it's just such a critical opportunity. So I think that's um, that's how I would probably characterize uh, my my advice for those two different groups of stakeholders. I want to thank you so much, Renske, for for this interview and to take your time. And of course, I will link below uh, as many of the the parties you mentioned, but also the link to. Uh, to apply for the new cohort for anybody that wants to to know more and see if they fit great and um, i will be sure to check in with the new cohort and the very interesting companies i mean there was a very interesting one the first cohort and i'm, I'm sure the second one will be even more interesting so be sure to be checking in and uh, see how they are doing and how sf6 is doing in the future fantastic thank you so much you just listened to an interview with renske linde we talked about blended capital, about the whole food system, so not just the agriculture and the production part, but about the disruptions that are needed to really make this a food system that works for all. I hope you enjoyed it and see you back soon for more of these podcasts. If you found the Investing in Regenerative Agriculture and Food podcast valuable, there are a few simple ways you can use to support it. Number one, rate and review the podcast on your podcast app. That's the best way for other listeners to find the podcast and it only takes a few seconds. Number two, Share this podcast on social media or email it to your friends and colleagues. Number three, if this podcast has been of value to you and if you have the means, please join my Patreon community to help grow this platform and allow me to take it further. You can find all the details on patreon.com slash regenerative agriculture or in the description below. Thank you so much and see you at the next podcast.